Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Let's um, look at some scripture. There's, how many love the Word of God? There's so much. I'm like, ah, my heart is overwhelmed. There's so much to share. Um, but for the moment, let's uh, real quick, let's go to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5. And uh, so how many remember that it was like two years ago this month that the world shut down? I was uh, texting with a friend of mine from Sri Lanka uh, the other day how I remember he's my reference point for when everything shut down. Because that Sunday came and it's like, hey, we're not going to have church. Uh, because suddenly the governor said, you, could, you know, you can only have so many people and we'd have way too many people. And so we're just going to go online. And, uh, and so then that night we had a smaller gathering for the ministry school that we had at the time. And he spoke there. And so afterwards, he and I went out to Perkins. And we're sitting at Perkins. And he and I are planning for the future. Me coming back and doing more trips in, um, in Sri Lanka. I had the privilege of being there back in uh, spring of 2019. Glorious time. Um, doing a, a youth, young adult uh, conference. It was, it was an amazing time. And so we're just making all these plans for the future. But the longer we sit there, we're like, oh, man, do you see that? We both, we're both on our phones. Oh, did you get that update? Did you get that update? Oh, man, this is closing. This is closing. It just, it felt like the whole world shut down in a few minutes while we sat at Perkins is how it felt. And, uh, but, uh, so anyways, all those plans we were making <laughs> have not happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that night. It was the weirdest thing, the weirdest thing. And, um, anyways, I just want to tell you, if you are listening to me this morning, Congratulations. Okay, not only have you physically survived uh, COVID, you're still here, but you survived the lockdown. Two year, this is a two-year anniversary. Now, this might not be a fun anniversary, but hey, congratulations. You're still alive. You still, God is still on the throne. He's still good. You're still here. He's still amazing, and God still has plans and purposes for your life, which for my life may or may not include going back to Sri Lanka. I don't know, but I know God is still good. It's who he is, so that never changes. And, uh, and so I, I had it in my notes to mention about um, Pastor Dave uh, being the pastor here for 20 years and uh, did not know that Laura was going to share that. And I was not going to say, hey, you survived 20 years of Pastor Dave. I wasn't going to share that. Um, Dave, if you're listening, that's not I was going to honor him and say, what an amazing man of God. Seriously, we are so blessed to, to have him uh, be our senior <clears throat> pastor. For those of you who don't know, he is my dad. I mean, he is my brother. So, um, yeah. So, um, that's the little brother thing going again, I guess. So, anyways. Um, but since I, since I spoke here last, which I think was about a month and a half ago, um, uh, we had the privilege of going down to Burlington uh, and doing a conference. Dave and I had, had the pleasure. Uh, I had the privilege of tag team um, preaching with him. And I uh, had, a, had a wonderful time. Saw the Spirit of God come down, powerfully touch people. Um, and uh, there might have been some outbreak of joy in the midst of that as well. And um, um, the last night, there was a young man who got set free from demonic torment, which is pretty cool. 
And uh, it doesn't always feel fun in the moment. Um, it doesn't, you know, doesn't seem cool in the moment. But I love the presence of God. And I love to see when the presence of God comes that there's fruit, that there's freedom, that there's deliverance. And, um, and so uh, I, I just heard this morning um, that they, at their monthly meetings that they do at this gathering there in, in Burlington, that they, were, um, that they were sharing a bunch of testimonies from that conference. I haven't heard it yet. I, I want to try to hunt it down. I think it's online somewhere. So um, to hear all the different testimonies. But we had an amazing time. And then a few weeks later, uh, strangely enough, uh, Pastor Dave and I, um, I almost said Uncle Dave and I, because that's how I, you know, when I talk to our, my, our own kids, it's like, well, Uncle Dave. Anyways, <clears throat> Pastor Dave, um, we went and ministered at a, a, a Christian school in Alabama. And uh, so that was interesting. <laughs> uh, that was, um, if you want to know just how and why, why it was so interesting and how it was interesting, catch up with me later. I can fill in the details. But I'll just give one quick little testimony. There was a gal the last day, um, this teenage gal who got up and shared a testimony. She said, yeah, I came in the first day. She said, I was really struggling. I believe she said like with depression and anxiety, there's just a lot of frustration in her life. And uh, these were her words. And then when I got knocked out, Nobody like clubbed her or anything. That wasn't happening. We don't, we don't do that in the meetings. But this was her language. This is how she phrased it. I, I, I personally find it interesting. Okay, sometimes entertaining. But I find it very interesting how people describe experiencing the presence of God. Because uh, uh, so often we, we experience God's love and his presence in different ways. And then depending on our background or our level of previous experience, we will use different language to describe that. So for her in that moment is, when I got knocked out, uh, she said, I was on the floor, and she said, it's like this spiritual weight was on me. And I think what she's describing is that in, um, in Hebrew, the word for glory, or at least one of them, is kabod, which means like heaviness, this, this weightiness. So instead of the heaviness from the enemy, there's this heavy, weighty presence from the Lord, which feels way different. <laughs> and she said, I was laying there, and she said, I just felt this incredible peace. It was amazing. She said, I started praying about some of the things that have been bothering her. And she was like, but it just, I just had so much peace. She said, and then I, so when I came back to school the next day, she said, man, I just felt so joyful. This was a couple days later. But she said, the next morning, she said, I just feel so alive, just so joyful. I just have so much peace. It's amazing. And uh, I love that. I love that. God breaking into the midst of depression, discouragement, anxiety, worry, fear, and releasing his kingdom. How many understand that his kingdom is made up of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost? So peace and joy in the Holy Ghost are signs of the kingdom, manifestations of the kingdom, fruit of the kingdom. Here's one of the amazing things about that, that I think is that Paul does not say that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, except for when the price of gas just skyrockets, and then who can be joyful? Man, it stinks. Oh, man, we just have to revert back to complaining. 
Who can have peace when it's like, no, he didn't say that. It just says, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And if you have life in the kingdom, if you're accessing that life in the kingdom, this is going to be the outflow. Doesn't mean you have to like the price of gas. (laughs) But gratitude and thanksgiving, peace and joy get to bubble up in you and through you. And uh, so that, that, that was really cool. And um, uh, so for those of you who, you know, I'll have people ask me about travels and so forth. And just over the last, really about the last 24 hours, um, been um, working out details of returning to Florida, doing some ministry in a couple of different places there um, at a church in, a minis- in, a, in another ministry. And then uh, in a few weeks going to Texas um, to minister um, over Easter weekend there. So, um, yeah, so just stepping through the open doors God's given. All right, so last time uh, I shared on the glory, this glorious gospel that we really don't believe, but he's going to convince us. <laughs> he wants us to be fully convinced, fully convinced. And the, the phrase that the Lord dropped into my heart was access now, access now. Anybody remember that morning? And how many remember I didn't lay hands on anybody? Okay. Just the Spirit of God just began to fall. Remember that, Roger? <laughs> oh, I remember. And um, so I, I want to touch on this ber- verse real quick because this is, this is what I, um, this is just a touchstone verse for me. So uh, 2 Corinthians 5. 21, and I, I just want to tell you ahead of time, um, you are free to drink and receive of the Holy Spirit, that when the voice of the Holy Spirit becomes louder and more clear in you than my voice, go with his voice, okay? You have freedom to receive everything God has for you, okay? It's truth on the inside that transforms, um, let the goodness of God, the grace of God, transform your life and your heart. If you need healing in your body, let the presence of God roll over you and bring healing into your body. Whatever that is, God forbid that I would stand in the way of anything that he wants to do in you this morning. So you have permission when his voice gets louder than mine, you go with him. Okay? And then also, don't forget to pick up your kids at the end from, from nursery and classes and stuff. Okay. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God the Father made Jesus to be sin on the cross. He took all of our guilt, all of our sin, all of our shame on the cross so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've said this for years, and I'm going to say it again on this date. Um, if you want to know what the righteousness of God looks like today in 2022, I will tell you that in March of 2022, the righteousness of God looks like this, approximately five foot eight, bald head and beard. And you might be thinking, well, man, if that's what righteousness looks like, I don't want to be righteous. Okay, I get it. But if you have been born again, then you're righteous. That's who you are. It's not something you're striving for. If you've been born again, it's not something you're after. It's not something you're striving for. It is just something God has permanently declared over your life. This is who you are. 
He took on our guilt, our shame, our identity as sinners at the cross so that we could receive his identity as beloved righteous sons of God. It was not just an exchange of sin that we put our sin on him. Yes, that happened. But more above and beyond that is it was an exchange of identities. He took on our identity of a guilty, condemned sinner who could not keep the law so we could receive his righteous identity as a beloved son. That, to me, is so foundational. And so I have heard some theologians say something like this, that... Um, the, yes, we are righteous, but it's an alien righteousness. It is, it is a foreign righteousness. Look, I get what they're saying in the sense that I'm not the source of my righteousness. I got it from Jesus. I'm not the source, okay? My righteousness on my own was dirty, filthy rags, okay? Couldn't keep the law, couldn't obey God. I was a professional sinner, I don't care the fact that I was raised in church and I didn't get involved in some of the things that other people got involved in. The fact is, it by nature came, it was very natural for me to sin, okay? But the reality is, he comes along and he imputes, and you could also say imparts righteousness to us. So I'm not the source of that righteousness, but I receive it. So now his righteousness now becomes my righteousness. So I don't, I don't want to go around saying, well, it's, it's an alien righteousness. It's a foreign. Yes, I'm not the source of it, but man, it's a wonderful gift he gave me. Okay. And I was thinking this morning, it's, it's my, my kids. That would be so bizarre if they woke up in the morning and said, I have my dad's DNA, but it's a foreign DNA. It's, I'm not, the DNA didn't come from me. It's an alien DNA. No, it's been woven into the fabric of their being. Yes, they, they, they weren't the author of it. It was given to them, but now it's theirs. It's woven into their being. And our righteous acceptance before God, our righteous beloved identity is something that has been imparted, imputed, given, and woven into the fabric of our being. It is now our identity. I'm accepted before God because of what Jesus did. And now God relates to me based on who Jesus is. And I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And Jesus says in John 17 that the same way that the Father has loved me, he loves you exactly the same way. I believe it's verse 23, John 17. That's amazing that God the Father is relating to us the same way he relates to Jesus. Anybody have a perfect, absolute, spotless track record like Jesus who's never ever committed a sin? Not me. I've blown it a million times. But here's the glory of it is when the blood is applied to my life and he washes away my sin, I now receive Jesus' track record. Anyone who's known me for years goes, well, I know when you blew it there. (laughs) You got an attitude in that situation, and then you blew it here too. Okay, I'm not denying, that's, yes, that, that has happened. Okay, and he's been gracious to forgive. But you and I inherit Jesus's report card. We inherit his track record. 
We receive his righteousness and we now have right standing with God. There was a, a famous theologian of the church centuries ago. I'll try to say it gently and kindly, but um, he made a statement that we are, we are snow-covered dung. That's what he said. Famous theologian of the church. That, okay, so on the outside, oh, there's this pristine snow. Oh, hallelujah, I'm clean. That's so nice. I'm clean. God sees me spotless and clean. But boy, underneath the surface, we all know what we really are. That's not identity. That's a mirage. It's not that God doesn't see our weaknesses and our struggles. And it's not that God doesn't want us to grow up and mature and, and, and deal with our character. It's not that that's not the case. It's just simply that that is not my identity. I'm that spotless snow from the inside out. Because I would never say that about Jesus. So I can't say it about myself. Because I've been grafted in, I've been adopted, and I've been made one with Christ. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. He is now my identity, and God relates to me like that, so I cannot say that I would never talk that way about Jesus, so I'm not going to talk about myself that way. So here's the thing. If you're not convinced of what Jesus did at the cross, if you're not convinced of your own righteous Beloved standing before the Father. These are some of the subtleties that can happen. If you think, well, let me ask you this. Anybody have any struggles in life? Okay, I got my hand up. Lift it high. There's some struggles. Okay. It's not like we're being fake. We're being very honest here. Woo! He's got both hands and both legs up. All right, he's... He's also got a newborn, so we all understand that. So, um, Okay, so struggles. Got some struggles. So we're not being fake. Got some struggles. But here's the thing. When it comes to struggles in general, but then specifically if you are struggling with an area of sin, if you believe that your struggle with sin is your identity, then what will happen is when you hear a true, accurate, biblical phrase like God hates sin, and he does. It's true, it's biblical. God hates sin. But if underneath the surface you subtly believe that I am the same thing as my sinful struggle, you will subconsciously hear in your heart, well, God God hates my identity. You are not your struggle. We all have struggles. And all the hands that just went up, they're, they're for a variety of reasons. They're for a variety of causes, different things going on. But you are not your struggle. Your identity is not your struggle. Your identity is in sonship. He's growing you. He's maturing you. He loves you and he delights in you in the process. Even if he has to discipline you, he delights in you. Even if he has to correct you, he delights in you. In that maturation process, he's a good God. He's a good father. So we all have struggles. And hopefully I'm on a path to maturity. Okay? 
But my struggles and my weaknesses do not define me. I'm not looking to excuse them. I'm not looking to excuse sin. But what I am saying is, it's not my identity. My identity comes from what Jesus did at the cross. My identity drives only from what he says, thinks, and has eternally declared about me from the very beginning. This is one of the reasons why I know my identity is not in my struggle. It's simply because of this. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says that we were chosen in him. God the Father chose you and I in Christ before the creation of the world. That's amazing. Before you and I could ever blow it, before you and I could ever get stuck in addiction, before you and I could ever struggle with worry, fear, anxiety, depression, unbelief, uh, any kind of frustration in this life, any kind of temptation we could get entangled with, God said, I chose you. Do you believe God's sovereign? Do you believe that he's all-knowing? then do you believe he's all-knowing about what he got into when he chose you? And you couldn't change his mind. There's not one bit of weakness that you have. There's not one bit of struggle that you have that caught him off guard. (laughs) He chose you anyways. And here's the good news. You can't change his mind. (laughs) I like that. He's really, really, really good. (laughs) So I told you you have permission to drink. You can drink that in. If we don't understand saving grace and transforming grace will have a hard time walking in empowering grace. See, Matthew 10, 8 says... Freely give because you freely received. Okay, so this context for Matthew 10, 8 says, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. All these amazing things, powerful manifestations of the kingdom. But he says, do this in light of the fact that freely you've received, now freely give. Maybe... Some of the reason why we struggle with walking in that manifested power. Because we don't understand what we've freely received. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. But he says this. Freely you've received, now freely give. What I've worked in you, I now want to work through you. That drink of living water that you've tasted from John chapter 7 now wants to be a river that flows through you. Freely you've received of the grace and the mercy and the goodness and the forgiveness and the cleansing of God. To receive a new righteous, holy, beloved, accepted identity. Freely you've received that on the inside. Now give it away. Now give it away. Let that flow through you. Freely you've received. Now freely give. Cast out demons. Heal the sick. I believe that one of the things that mark us, if we really believe in what Jesus did at the cross, put it this way, Jesus simply said, these signs will follow them that believe. And then he starts listing off some things like they'll speak in tongues, 
there's going to be all this power released through their life. He didn't make it too complicated. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. The more my belief level goes up, probably the more power is going to come through my life. So I don't need to strive to work really hard. I'm going to try to develop a ministry to cast out demons. Try to cast them out, cast out demons. I want a ministry of deliverance. Probably I just need to be so convinced of the goodness of the gospel. So convinced of the goodness of God and what he did for me. And that exchange of identity. That he loves me. He likes me. He delights in me. So that if there's any demonic torment that's in my life, it can't help but flee because I'm so convinced of the gospel and what my father thinks about me. His amazing, kind disposition toward me. And then I'm so full of truth that freely I've received, now freely I give, so that when I get around other people... They start to get set free as well because I've received freely. I didn't earn it. I just receive it as a gift and then it flows through me. That's the privilege you and I all have. See, Tisa's freely received. So she's going to go to Poland and love on some Ukrainians. She's going to freely give. And you and I get to back her up and partner with her in that. Praying, giving, blessing, sending, all of that. To say, you're going to be an extension of this church. You're an extension of this body. And we're going to get behind you and bless you as you do that. You're going to freely give because you've freely received. So it's saving grace. I think most of us have a a basic understanding of that, but then there's the grace transforms, but then there's the empowering grace to go and to give, to love and to serve. I will tell you that when I share that testimony um, that when we were uh, in Burlington several weeks back and the young man who got set free from demonic torment, it's not because we're having a deliverance service. I'm not going to say that that's wrong. I'm just saying... We're just like, whew, we love Jesus. He's amazing. We love Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us. And Lord, we love your presence. Holy Spirit, we love your presence. Holy Spirit, would you just come and have your way? And one of the ways that he wanted to have his way that night was set that young man free. (laughs) He's really, really good. Okay. Um, Go to... uh, love the Bible. There's just uh, so much I want to say. Okay, we'll go to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. So, one of the ways that I can know that I'm fully convinced of the gospel and what Jesus did for me at the cross, one of the ways that I'm that I know that I'm more and more convinced about the goodness of God. And mind you, the greatest display of the goodness of God is what he did at the cross, okay? Don't let, (laughs) look, if you allow the price of gasoline to define the goodness of God, you're gonna be all over the map with your emotions, okay? Don't do that, okay? Don't interpret the goodness of God by the economy. 
or who's in the White House or who the behavior of the other people living in your house. Make it a little more practical. Don't determine the goodness of God by all these other things. There's only one thing that ultimately defines the goodness of God, and that is what he did at Calvary. It was not a reluctant father that Jesus was convincing to love us. No, we've said it before, and we'll keep declaring it. God does not love us because Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross because the father has always loved us. He loved you from the beginning, even in your sin, even when you're an enemy of God. God loves his enemies. He loves us and wanted to turn rebels into righteous ones. He wanted to turn sinners into sons. That's always been his heart. That is the heart of the father. So he's always loved you. And the cross is the ultimate display and example of the love of God. So no matter what happens in your life from here on out, no matter what happens in your marriage, no matter what happens in your family, no matter what happens on the global economy and the global scale from here on out you and I we only get to determine the love of God by the cross that is historical fact and that never changes all these other things fluctuate but God's love is immutable it never changes if so if we're fully convinced of it <laughs> you're probably going to look a little like this uh Ephesians 3 and so many of us, we love that prayer that, that Paul prays for believers about the love, of, the height and width and depth of the love of God, it, the last part of chapter 3. But there's this verse before he gets into that in verse 12 where he says, In whom, referring to Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Boldness and confidence that we have access. If you and I are fully convinced of what Jesus did at the cross, we are going to approach God with boldness and confidence. I shared last time this phrase that the Lord has really ministered to me over the last number of months and that is that he has made me to be compatible with him and he's made himself accessible to me that's not unique for Christopher Olson that's for every one of us as sons and daughters of God he has made you in the new nature you've received he's made you compatible with him don't buy into the lie that you and God are not compatible. Look, if you've never been born again, if you've never turned from your sin and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and allowed his spirit to come inside you to transform you from the inside out, then do that. Get saved. Call out to Jesus. Ask him to come and invade your life and transform it for the glory of God. Okay, he paid a high price for with his beating, his suffering at the cross for your salvation. Do that. That I am talking this morning to those of us here that have been born again. Don't believe the lie that says you and God are incompatible. And again, I would go back to say that if you define yourself by your struggle, 
If you define yourself by a struggle with sin and you hear the phrase God hates sin, then you are going to really believe that God hates your identity. You see how difficult it is to live in an intimate relationship with a God like that? And yet we have these words here. Boldness with confidence to access his presence. That's the privilege you and I have. Boldness and confidence. That's what you and I get. To the degree that I'm fully convinced of the gospel, I'm going to enter, I'm going to come before God with boldness. To the degree that I am so convinced of Jesus' perfect sacrifice for me. Not only took away my sin, but then gave me a new identity. That he loves me, he likes me, he delights in me. I will have confidence to come before God with boldness. Maybe even a boldness that if other believers were looking in, they would judge me and think, that's a little carried away. Who are you? Who are you to think you can come before a holy God like that? Look, I understand there are those moments where I, I, I just stand in awe of who he is in his holy kingship and that he is holy, holy, holy. And there's times where I reverently kneel and I bow and there's times that tears come to my eyes and, and when, he, when he manifests his presence in that way, that's a right response to honor him in such a way. But that holy, holy God is my Abba. He's my father. This holy king is my beloved father. And that God, that father delights in me. He paid a high price for me to live in his presence. So I get to access his presence with boldness and confidence. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. It's probably going to be the last verse. Mm. He's so good. He's so good. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, go to verse 19. Therefore, brothers, all you sisters are included in this too. My Bible has a little footnote that includes that, but <clears throat> therefore, brothers and sisters, I, I'll be, like I said, I'll be going to Texas here shortly, and uh, so I'll just say all y'all. Therefore, all y'all, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, this version says holy places, the holy place, the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance, in full assurance of faith. I'll read that first part again. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, confidence to come before a holy God who's a perfect loving father. To the degree that we're fully convinced of what Jesus did at the cross, that enables us to fully access his presence. Here's the deal. I 
by the grace of God, for better or for worse, and I would say better, but sometimes it can be controversial when God shows up and does all kinds of things that can appear strange to our human minds. I, but for better or for worse, I have a reputation for hosting the presence of God. For the Spirit of God to come upon me, for the Spirit of God to rest upon me, for the Spirit of God to flow through me. Even at times with some outrageous joy. Okay? But for the presence of God, and and for, for many years, I was the worship pastor at this church, and we would just host God's presence as we'd worship. And I would, I would, I would like, God, I'm not much of a musician. I don't know these, I don't know how to play all these songs. So I'm just going to write my own simple little songs. I'm left-handed, but I forced myself to learn how to play the guitar right-handed. And so we play these simple little songs and we say, come Holy Spirit, we love you. God, we want to worship you and you inhabit the praise of your people. And we would just host his presence. And so people I think tend to know me from the the things that I hear from people that the presence of God loves to show up when I minister. And so I've been on this journey of like, how do I bring other people into that? Because I can't make anybody else experience his presence. I don't think I have to. But people will be like, well, how do you live in his presence? How do you experience his presence like that? Look, I got good days. I got bad days. More than anything, I just got God days because he's sovereign Lord of all. But my emotions can be up and can be down and I have circumstances I'm dealing with. I got, I got challenges in my life, okay? So I'm not exempt from all that. I got, there's struggles. But learning to live in his presence beyond a mystical feeling, and I love feeling his presence, okay? I love feeling his presence. But beyond a feeling... You and I have access 24-7 to his presence regardless of what we feel. It is based on the truth of what Jesus did at the cross. So most of what we deal with is not a matter of, do do you feel God's presence here today? Martha, did you hear that song? I think I felt the Holy Spirit when they they played that chord. Oh, Oh, I felt a little bit here. I feel his presence. I'm not saying that you can't, we don't experience moments and touches of his manifest presence. I am saying that you and I get to live as sons and daughters before God and say, Father, no matter what I feel or don't feel, here's the deal. You and I can experience a touch of God's manifest presence and still walk out of a meeting and not be renewed in our mind. And still be convinced, well, I guess God touched me with his presence because I was gathered with the saints on Sunday morning and we sang the worship choruses and so his presence came and God reluctantly came even though because I was in the room. And I love his presence, but I don't know that I'm really worthy to live there. You've got to be convinced way beyond a Sunday morning experience That the God of the universe is crazy about you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you. If Jesus gave, if God gave his son to die on the cross for you 2,000 years ago, there's nothing you're going to do since that time to unconvince him of loving you, if that's even a word. You're not going to be able to convince him to stop loving you. It's who he is. 
You and I have continuous access to his presence. And we get to access it with boldness and confidence to come into the holy place. Why? Because Jesus' righteousness is our righteousness. Because the same way the Father loves the Son, he now loves us. I want to wrap it up with this real quick. I am not, I just spoke a little bit of what, kind of what I'm known for. I am not known for being very archaeologically minded. And you look at me like, oh, that's a weird thing to say. Well, it's true. I'm not, I'm not known for archaeology. But I have been doing a lot of research in recent uh, months, even years, but specifically over the last several months, as to where the Ark of the Covenant is. A lot of people have been searching that out, wanting to know where it's at. Movies years ago, Indiana Jones, based on that. And there's been a lot of theories about Ethiopia and all these different places. And I finally found where the Ark of the Covenant is. And uh, you guys are going to get the privilege of hearing that today. Okay? So if you would put the picture up on the screen, if you have that. Um, If there's somebody back there who has that, if I send it in correctly and they can get it. Okay. Now, I don't know if you can see that real well. Hopefully someday we can get a better picture. But do you see two hands on the side? It's pulling open a shirt. And you look into the chest cavity, and there's the Ark of the Covenant. The New Testament, the New Covenant, New Ark of the Covenant, the the Ark of the New Covenant. You are the 2022 version of the Ark of the Covenant. You've been adopted. You've been made one with him. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Man, if I get that right, well then praise God for Sunday mornings when we gather with the saints to worship him. And hallelujah if I feel his presence. And hallelujah if I don't. Because he lives in me. And everywhere I go, I take that ark with me. When I'm driving down the road, I have that ark on the inside of me. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. I've been now made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the ark of the covenant. He's inside of me. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is who you are. This is your privileged position. This is what the Father thinks about you. This is what he believes about you. He's cleansed you. He's made you holy. He's made you righteous. You have constant access to his presence. This is who you are. So if you don't mind, just do this quick little exercise with me. It's not a Cam Newton thing. It's greater than that. For those of you who know what I'm talking about, just take your hands over your chest and just kind of rip open that. It's right there. He's right there. He's inside of me. He's inside of me. He's inside of me. And he ain't about to leave. He ain't about to leave. He's inside of me. He lives inside of me 24-7. Whew. You and I get to boldly access his presence. Freely you've received, now freely give. Whether that's to your family, your friends, your neighbors, co-workers, the lost, people who've never heard the gospel, freely give in Poland, freely give to Ukrainian refugees. You're the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. The Father loves you. He likes you. He delights in you. He's not tolerating you. He's celebrating you. He's not putting up with you. Oh, he's proud of you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the new covenant. I thank you that you love us and you like us. Just say that with me. Father, thank you that you like me. (laughs) Know that you really like me. No, I'm serious, that you really like me. That you chose me from before the creation of the world. Woo! You like me. You delight in me. Oh, I've been made, (laughs) I believe it's 2 Peter chapter 1. It says we're made partakers of the divine nature. God, I yield. I yield my struggles to you. And I thank you that my identity doesn't come from my struggles. It comes from you, Papa. It comes from you, Abba. (laughs) You see, I don't, I don't preach a manifestation. I just want to meditate on the gospel, what he did for us at the cross, what he accomplished for us at the cross. And if I get a glimpse of how good, how amazingly good God the Father is, I can't help but to have at least, at times, some measure of an emotional response. And if I'm fully convinced of the goodness of the God of the universe, that he is a perfect father who is for me and not against me, then at some point, I probably will have a measure of joy. Because I'm so convinced that this one who knows Everything about me. He knows every weakness and every struggle I've ever had. But none of those things could ever change his mind. Holy Spirit. We welcome you right now. We thank you for your presence that you're breathing on your word and breathing on your precious sons and daughters. Jesus, we thank you for what you did at the cross. We thank you for your blood that was shed for our forgiveness for the remission of our sins, and for our complete reconciliation to you, God. And reconcile to ourselves that we've received a new identity 
a new nature in Christ. Mm. Sweet Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking that you would take us on a journey where you eradicate the vestiges of the fall. That you would eradicate the fallout from the fall that still messes with our mind. God, we would be so convinced of the gospel that we would be sheep who hear your voice, that we would be so in tune to the heart of the Father and the voice of Holy Spirit that that the sound of your voice overrides every accusing voice of the enemy. Mm. I'm going to ask you to stand in his presence right now. If you just put your hands out before the Lord. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I worship you, I worship you. We love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. You are good. <laughs> we love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. You are good. Oh, just lift your hands to him in thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you that you are a perfect, trustworthy father. Oh, we love you, we love you, we love you. Come on, just let a song of gratitude bubble up out of you. Come on, thank him for the cross. Thank him for the reality of who your father is and he's a good God. We love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. Oh, Come on, let it bubble up. Yeah, you can let it bubble up from the inside because inside of you is the Holy of Holies. Inside of you is the Ark of the New Covenant. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let that river of worship, thanksgiving, and gratitude flow out of your temple. Woo, come on, keep going. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We love you. We love you because you first loved us. <laughs> we worship you because you first loved us. Oh, Remaria Sandaremo Sondori Alamashombo. 
We love you because you first loved us. All we can do is reciprocate and give back. All we can do is love the one who first loved us, who loved us in our brokenness, in our shame, our guilt, and our sin. But God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Hallelujah! 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 We love you, we love you, we love you, Lord. Woo! Oh! Oh! Come on! Come on! Oh! Take a drink of his spirit, take a drink of his love as you allow him to take a drink of your gratitude and worship. Oh, God! Freely you've received! Woo! Freely give back! Oh, we love you! Because you first loved us. We love you, we love you, we love you. <laughs> oh, 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 I am so weak. Oh, but my papa's so strong. <laughs> and his strength is perfected in my weakness. Woo! Woo! You are not your struggle. And he loves you right in the midst of your struggle. With one hand lifted out to the Lord, put your other hand on your belly and thank him right now that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, that you are clean, you are loved, you are delighted in. More, more of new covenant reality your righteous identity piercing your inner man right now who see here's the thing with laughter laughter is totally contrary to oppressive religious mindsets. Laughter says, my God delights in me. And no matter what the enemy throws at me, my God is good, he's for me. Laughter is a sign of grace. It delights in the grace of God. Woo! That he's for me. See, it's hard to be joyful if you think God is against you. It's hard to be joyful if you think God is constantly disappointed with you. It's hard to be joyful if you think God's irritated with you. But when you are fully convinced of what he did at the cross, woo! Oh, God. Oh, I will probably tap into a little bit of joy. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. 
and at his right hand are pleasures evermore. That's not just one day when I get to heaven. He's put his presence on the inside of me. Drink that truth in right now. It's not just a manifestation or an emotional experience. It is you're drinking in truth. Truth, truth, truth on the inside. The truth of his word. Truth of new covenant reality. Uh, what the Father thinks, feels, and says about you. Drink that into your innermost being. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.